Now let's come into the Lord's presence in prayer. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your goodness to us. We thank you for your grace in our lives, your faithfulness, Lord. God, I, I, I see Victor on Zoom this morning, just happened to see uh, that, uh, Zooming from his hospital room. Uh, just thank you, Lord, for technology and the ability we have to still connect with one another uh, during these times and uh, express our, our love and value for one another. We thank you so much for that, Lord. Thank you for, for answered prayers. Thank you for that hope that Kathy talked about this morning. And uh, we just give you all the praise and all the honor coming into your you, the worship of our mighty God this morning. Oh, Lord, bless us with your presence. Speak to our hearts, Lord, we pray. Give you thanks. And let's pray that prayer that Jesus taught us this morning. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, I'm going to switch. Switch up here this morning. That's already on. Turn this one off. Get that out of the way. Okay. No kiddos this morning, so we will get into our message. Well, it was about mm, 25 years ago. Wow, was it that long? Yeah, about 25 years ago, we were at my parents' house, and my dad's sister, my aunt, had passed away. And we were discussing things, and uh, my mom had gotten a picture uh, from her, and we were looking at the picture of my great-grandfather and some other relatives around, and you turn the picture over, and uh, the, the name was Benjamin Silverberg. And I, I, I knew his name was Ben, but I didn't know anything about the Silverberg thing. And uh, so, you know, obviously, Anybody that is familiar with uh, uh, Berg or Stein or anything like that, it, that's, that's a Jewish name. And I had had a couple, a couple of years previously, I had a, a um, Messianic rabbi uh, who said to me, said, silver? He said, anybody with silver or gold in their name, he says, you're Jewish. And then he said, uh, let, let, me, let me ask you the litmus test question. He said, do you like Chinese food? I said, yeah. He said, you're Jewish. So... Anyway, apparently that's the litmus test question. So, but when I saw the name Silverberg, I, I said to myself, I, I, I must be Jewish. I walked out to my van and I looked at my wife and I said, oh, Ive, I've married the Gentile. What am I going to do, right? Um, 
and it, it became this um, this kind of a new way even to look at the scriptures. Instead of seeing them, that was us. You know, it's like, wow, that's pretty cool. So going with my heritage then this morning. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech. Ha'olam. Blessed be you, Lord God of the universe. How do you like that? That's my that's the little bit of Hebrew that I know, except Shalom. But anyway, I want to do a message this morning entitled The Children of Abraham. So that was my that was my lead-in. Not extremely smooth, but anyway, that's where we're going. Um, go ahead and turn to John chapter 8. We're going to see some things about Abraham and even how he applies to us today. Remember when I started out in my uh, uh, master's program, one of the questions was, is Christianity a new thing or part of an old thing or is it the old thing? Uh, is it Judaism with a with a new twist? Is it is it connected? Is it totally brand new? And uh, when you look at the scriptures, what we end up finding is that it's not a totally new thing, but it's a continual revelation that culminates in Jesus the Messiah coming. So it's 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 all part of the same thing. It's just taken a big uh, turn because the Messiah that the Jews waited for all those years came and fulfilled what the scriptures uh, spoke to uh, about him, uh, except that they didn't see that. So same uh same revelation, just a new, just a new twist. So John chapter eight, beginning at verse 37. I'm going to skip around a little bit just for uh, time's sake and that kind of thing. Beginning at verse 37. This is Jesus talking to the Pharisees, and he says, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father. And you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. Down to verse 44. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. Verse 47, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Verse 56. 
Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old and you have seen Abraham. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. First of all, that that verse 58 there, that's the mic drop moment. Before Abraham was born, I am. If you recognize those words from the burning bush, God speaking uh, to Moses, I am that I am. This is clear uh, claim of divinity by our Lord Jesus. And uh, definitely a mic drop moment, something that they did not hold to. That's why they started to pick up stones, right? But here we have a rather lively discussion between Jesus and the Pharisees. There's a lot of back and forth in here, but basically it centers on the Pharisees' claim to be children of Abraham and Jesus telling them that actually their father is the devil himself. Quite a contradiction. You see that? Now, it's kind of interesting that Jesus does say here in verse 37, he says, I know that you are offspring of Abraham. He acknowledges that. But then he proceeds to give them several yets or buts um, that make his case for something entirely different. So I want to look at the case he's making. I want to look at the evidence for that case and then see what that teaches us as believers today. So again, Jesus, even though he acknowledges that they are the offspring of Abraham, he makes the case, and of course it's an airtight case, right? Because it comes from God. Uh, But he makes the case that they are in fact children of the devil. Wow. Now that's quite an accusation, don't you think? Maybe rile them up a little bit. These were the religious leaders. They were actually the strictest group in all of Judaism when it came to keeping the law. Everybody knew in this culture that these were the most righteous, godly men on the planet. And here is Jesus accusing them of being completely the opposite. You can imagine that that created quite a stir, not only in them, but in the crowd, in those that that heard those words. So, quite an accusation. Let's look at his evidence. Verse 37, they were plotting to kill him. They were plotting to kill he who was, in fact, God in the flesh. So it kind of doesn't make sense that a true worshiper of God would want to kill the object of their worship. Just doesn't jive, does it? So there's one. Secondly, verse 39, he says this. If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me. So not not only are they doing something a true worshiper of God would not do, but they are not doing the works that Abraham's children would do. It's also interesting here that there's two different words 
that are used in this discourse, and it makes it makes all the difference. Uh, the word offspring and the word children. Two different words in the Greek, which you probably wouldn't pick up on, and that's why you pay me the big bucks. And it's about time I earned it too, right? Uh, so the Greek word for offspring is the word sperma, speaking of physical descendants. But here in this, uh, as, as you go on, the Greek word used for children is the word genea, meaning race. So you've got physical descendants and you've got race. And the interesting thing is when you start looking up this word race and what does is, what is race entail, you see words like behavior and social and cultural versus biological. Okay, so there's a difference. So although that they are the physical descendants of Abraham, Jesus was telling them that they're not actually part of the Jewish race because they're not behaving like the one whom this race was named after, right? The one that was started from. They were like him physically, but they certainly were not like him spiritually. As Paul would later write in Romans chapter 2, uh, 28, he says, For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew, a true Jew, is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. So even though I could walk away from that conversation saying, Silverberg, I must be a Jew, Paul says, your last name doesn't matter, whether it's Berg or Steen or Stein or, or whatever. That's that, that's not the designation of a Jew. Not even if you like Chinese food. That's not what does it. It's a matter of the heart. And when you look at the scripture, when you read the scriptures, you find it's always been a matter of the heart. It's always been that inner relationship to God Almighty. That's what God has always looked for. The whole reason that Abraham was chosen in the first place was because of his response to the voice of God. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord God said to Abram, that's his name before God changed it to Abraham. The Lord God said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And verse 4 says, so Abraham went as the Lord had told him. Now think about that. Go from your father's house, your kindred, your country, the land that you've known, right? Your, your whole culture, all of your relatives, and go to a place that I'll show you. Right? He left all of that, his inheritance as the firstborn son, right? His, his future goal, his plans, his dreams, everything that, that, that his future rested on, he left it all behind to go someplace, and he didn't even know where he was going. Is that faith? <laughs> 
Wow, talk about trust. You know, we, we, we tend to put these people on pedestals, but think about that from a logical point of view. I don't know how the, the word of the Lord came to him, how God spoke to him in, in initially like that, but go ahead, leave everything and just, just start walking. Okay. And I, I don't think it was a just, okay, kind of an answer. You know, he's like, wow, must have stewed over this for a little bit, right? This was faith. As Romans 4.3 says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So do you see this morning, it all had to do with his response to what God told him to do. He believed God and he acted on that word. Right? God spoke. He heard it, he believed it, and he acted on it with everything, you know, basing his whole future on God's word. That's what Abraham did, and that, according to Jesus, is what the true children of Abraham do. The Pharisees, on the other hand, according to Jesus, who, being God, knew exactly what was in their individual hearts, um, Jesus called them hypocrites. Matthew 23, 23. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. Right? He said they were like whitewashed tombs, outwardly beautiful. Right. They they invented you get the sense that they invented ways to keep the letter of the law. Although. Manipulating things to still do what they wanted when they wanted um, an outward show, he says, you you love, you know, the, the accolades that you get and that you are seen as these holy religious leaders and you're eating that all up. You know, it's feeding your pride. And, and you're still doing things with a motivation of greed and selfishness, but you're keeping the law. You're doing exactly what's spelled out. You're, you're doing your sacrifices and you're giving your money and you're doing this and you're doing that. But it's not changing who you are as a person. It's not changing your heart. The word of God is to you um, a, a set of rules to keep. It's not affecting you in here. So their actions revealed that they had heard God's word, obeyed God's word, but they didn't allow it to change them on the inside. Go back to verse 37. And Jesus says that plainly to him. He says, I know that you're offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me. Why? Because my word finds no place in you. There's the key. God's word found no place in their heart. Remember the parable of the sower of the seed. Some of the seed fell on the rocky soil, right? Some on the hardened path. Some among the weeds, 
right? But some found its way into good soil, and there it produced a great harvest. That parable speaking of the human heart, right? God's word finding that good, soft soil. It's, it's planted there, and it begins to grow. They, the Pharisees, obviously were not the good soil. They were living a lie, claiming to be one thing, while inwardly they were something else. Outwardly following God, but inwardly following their own desires. They had, in effect, hijacked Judaism, and in their pride, they made followers of themselves, not leading people into truth, not leading people into the true worship of God. What does that sound like? Someone who leads people away from God and wants them to follow him. Sounds like the devil, doesn't it? Right? The prideful one who, right from the beginning, tried to undermine the authority of God and tries to now get people to do the same. So verse 44, Jesus says, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. So who were the Pharisees behaving like when they lived this lie and sought to get rid of Jesus, the true king? They were living like their father. They were of that race. They were of that behavior. They were followers, not of God. Followers of the devil. So, the prosecution rests, Your Honor. I think Jesus has made his case. So when it all comes down to it, it's a matter of the heart. The children of Abraham, the heirs of the promise, the chosen of God, are those in whom, according to Jesus, the word of God is given place. The word of God is given place. And when I think about that, the word of God comes, right? Um, It comes to us like it did to Abraham, it it comes, first of all, through the gospel, doesn't it? The word of truth comes, the gospel comes to us. Here we are, we're living our own way, right? Living the only way we know how, being our own God, being our own moral judge. And God says to us, kind of like he said to Abraham, come away from all that. Come away from serving yourself, which is really serving the devil. Come away from that life, that lifestyle, that the, the plans, that future, right? And come to a place that I will show you. Come to a new life. A life that I'm going to reveal to you over time. We, we didn't know what this was. When we first accepted Jesus, we didn't know what it was all going to be like, right? We didn't know what what he might ask us to do, where he might ask us to go, right? Any of that, it was leave that, give your life and your heart to me, your future to me. Jesus took your sin on the cross so you can be forever forgiven and reconciled to me, and I'm going to show you a new life, a new purpose, a new power, a new destiny, 
And if we give that word place in our hearts, what happens? Right? What happens? We then become the children of Abraham. We become the children of God himself. Why? Because we heard that word, we believed that word, we acted on that word, and it transformed our lives. It's when we do that, the Spirit of God comes to live in us and changes us. All because we heard and we responded. So if you've received Christ as Savior, that's you. You are the children of Abraham. If not, I want to invite you to do that in just a moment. Uh, But interesting, too, if you follow the life of Abraham, you'll see that he continued to give God's word place in his heart, even at times when it was extremely difficult. How many kind of know what, what I'm talking about? You've done it. I've done it. Um, not to this point, though. Abraham, even to the point where he was willing to sacrifice his only son when God told him to. I want to talk about a decision. Uh, it's not recorded in the scriptures, but I can imagine the sleepless nights What in the world are you saying to me, God? You want me to sacrifice my only son to you. And although God didn't ultimately let him do it, his willingness to do it. I mean, he got right there. If you read the scripture, he got right there and was had the knife raised to slit his son's throat and offer him as a burnt offering to God. And God said, stay your hand. I've made a... Uh, a ram caught in the thicket, that's going to be your sacrifice. But God said to him, now I know what's in your heart. Now I know who is first. Now I know what is first place to you. See, because Isaac, he was the son of, of even God's promises. All of God's promises rested on Isaac. And if Isaac was no more than what happened to the inheritance that he promised and and all of this. And I'm going to make you a great nation and through you, all the nations will be blessed. Well, if he's gone, all of that goes away. I don't get it. Think about the 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 just, you know, kind of remind you almost of, of Jesus in the garden, like just agonizing over this decision. So Bible says that Abraham figured that, well, okay, you made me a promise. Now you're telling me to sacrifice Isaac, so you must be going to raise him from the dead. It's the only thing he could come up with in his mind. God had another plan. Um, But one way or another, if I obey the word of God, if I do what God says, God's going to work it out. Tough decision or not, I know that I know God's going to work it out. That was Abraham. Difficult, but it worked, right? Um, God had promised Abraham that son, Isaac. And again, Abraham believed God, even though they were both, um, or Sarah, at least at that time, when the promise came, was beyond childbearing age. And God said, no, you're going to have a son through Sarah. And the Bible says that Abraham, again, believed God. You know how long he waited for that to happen? About 25 years. 
I got this promise from God. Waiting 25 years. This, again, this was what everything else hinged upon. I'm going to make your children into a great nation. They're going to multiply like the sands on the sea. Year after year after year after year, Sarah is still barren. Of course, she's past, again, childbearing age. Then when she's 90 years old and Abraham is 100, she has a baby. Talk about a miracle. But the Bible says that Abraham did not waver in his faith. 25 years. How long have you been praying for some of your loved ones to come to the Lord? Keep a hold of that promise. How long have you been praying for other things? Hold on to that promise. Because God may just want to take care of any possibility of a coincidence and give you an incredible miracle. Hang on. Hang on to that promise. But you know, Abraham wasn't perfect, was he? Abraham wasn't perfect. Before Isaac came, Abraham was traveling to the land that God promised, and he had to go through Egypt. And because Sarah at this point was very beautiful, Abraham decided that he needed to protect himself, and he made his wife tell them, the Egyptians that was, that she was his sister. So the king of Egypt then took her to be in his harem and since he didn't have to knock off her husband, Abraham was okay, right? So here was, here was Abraham taking matters into his own hands, trying to protect himself, not even looking out for his wife, right? Who was, who was taken to be in the harem of, of the king of Egypt. But even in that, even in that, even though Abraham missed it on occasion, just like many others in the scriptures, um, and like you and me, who still miss it on occasion, amen, God was with him because his heart was right. God was with him because deep down Abraham had a faith in God. It wasn't perfect, but he knew Abraham's heart. And so God rescued Sarah. He came to the king of Egypt in a dream, basically saying, you don't mess with this woman. Right. You don't mess with her. You mess with her. You are in big trouble. And uh, so that's cool. I think, you know, even even in the mess ups. Abraham wasn't perfect and neither are his children. But what you and I have as the children of Abraham is a general attitude about God's word. That's where the rubber hits the road. We have a general attitude about God's word. We give it place in our hearts and in our lives. Not like the Pharisees, not to show off our righteousness, not to figure out how to keep the letter of the law and still do things our way, right? We give it place because we trust God. We give it place Because we know that he is wise, that he is loving, that he is faithful, right? That when we, when we follow his word, when we obey that word, that it's going to turn out for the best for us. We trust 
our Father to do that. Sometimes, like Abraham, not really knowing where this is going to lead. Have you been there? Have you, have you been in the Word and you felt God speaking to you something that's like, but God, you know, I can see if I do this, this is, but if I do it your way, I, I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't know if it's going to turn out wrong or, or, you know, any of that stuff. But we follow it. And it ends up best, doesn't it? Because of who he is, because he's faithful. It's going to be good. And God is with us in the journey. And you and I also have something that Abraham only dreamed of. Jesus references that in our text. Abraham, he said, rejoiced to see my day. Abraham knew by his faith in God that the Messiah was coming. He knew that the one God had promised was going to show up on the scene and was going to make all things clear. He never saw it. He died in faith like so many, Hebrews 11 says, died in faith not fully realizing that that promise. You and I have that. You and I can look back at the cross of Christ and we can see the immensity of the love of God poured out for us. So I think based on that, it's a little easier even for us to trust, isn't it? For us to say, well, I don't know where this is going. I, I you know, can't figure it all out, but I know he loves me. When I look at that cross, I can't doubt his love for me and his faithfulness to bring his promises to pass. So we have something Abraham didn't have. Uh, we can trust him. We can trust him. So I encourage you this morning, all the more. Sometimes the word of God does not mesh with what I want to do, the way I see it, my own wisdom. But I can tell you in my experience, when I follow the word anyway, when I give it place in my heart, that's when things Turn for the best. That's when I see God's faithfulness in my life. Amen. He is a good and faithful God to his children. So let's approach the word of God saying, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me. Let me know where to go. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. God, when I think about how many cultures and leaders have tried to destroy this book and you preserved it for us through the ages, Lord, the wisdom that is contained in there uh, for our lives, we are just so blessed. Many of us, Lord, having more than one copy uh, of, of, of your awesome word to guide our lives. But we pray that you would speak to us more and more through it. Lead our lives, Lord, especially in these turbulent times. We need direction. Lead us, Lord, by your word and by your spirit, we pray. And if you are here or in the sound of my voice 
And that initial word of the gospel, the initial word of him dying on the cross for you, making a way for your sins to be forgiven, making a way for you to be born again as a, as a child of God, uh, much less a child of Abraham. If you have not given that word place in your heart and saying, that's it, I'm just going to surrender my heart and life to him. I invite you to do that even in this moment. You say, Jesus, that's me. I want to I give your word place in my heart and in my life. I want to receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I ask you, Lord, to draw near to me, lead me in the way that I should go. And I'm going to do my best to follow. Thank you, Lord. In your awesome name we pray. Amen.